0: What is up, guys? Welcome to episode number 136 of Beef's Beef. I have a great interview set up for you guys today with one of my good friends. But before we do that, I want to get to our sponsor. Our sponsor, as always, is Crystal Lackey at Stockton Mortgage. Hit her up for any refinancing or just getting a regular mortgage for your house. Uh her phone number is 502-615-0743. Again, Crystal Lackey at Stockton Mortgage, 502-615-0743. Stockton Mortgage is an equal housing lender, MLS number 8259, Crystal Lackey, MLS number 1735979. So today's guest is one of my good friends. Uh, I've known him my entire life. Uh, I met him through my cousin, who actually is his best friend. And... Uh, He's played professional basketball in over 25 different countries. Uh, not only that, he's, ex- he's succeeded at doing that. Uh, he played two years at Camelsville. Uh, was first team NAI All-American in 1999. Uh, USBL mm-hmm. finalist for the Oklahoma Storm. 2000 CBA champion. Was the 2002 Player of the Week twice in the CBA was a 2003 CBA American Conference regular season champion with the Rockford Lightning, Uh, was the CBA American Conference regular season champion, like I said, uh, was the CBA leading scorer in 2003 at 28.8, the 2009 Honduras Basketball League champion, 2010 Columbia Copa Federation leading scorer at 27.2 points, and 2010 – LatinBasketball.com, Federation Cup All-Imports Team, and LatinBasketball.com, All-Columbian Federation Cup First Team. So, without further ado, I'd like to introduce you to my friend, Mr. David Harrison. What up, Dave? Man, it's been a minute since i seen you.
1: What's up, man? Long time no see, man. Good to see you.
0: Good to see you. Good to see you, man. Uh, I, thanks, first off, thanks for coming on. I know you're you're busy. We were just talking beforehand and different stuff you got going on. I appreciate you taking a little time out and doing an interview with man, me.
1: Thanks for having me, man. I really appreciate it. You got a good thing going on, man. I'm glad to be a part of it anytime.
0: For sure, for sure. I mean, we've been talking about this really since I started doing the podcast, and it's crazy that a pandemic can finally make things open up for us and and be able to take some time away to actually do it.
1: Absolutely, man. Absolutely.
0: <clears throat> so let's get into the interview, man. I've known you my whole life, but – we're gonna get. We're gonna go all the way back for people that don't even know who you are, because I'm okay. sure there's some people that don't. So you started your career at more, which is kind of cool, because I actually went and coached back at more.
1: Yeah. And
0: uh, something that I didn't know until you, we were talking before this, I didn't realize you got cut two years in a row before finally transferring the DOS. Yeah. So, so did did you get cut? I'm gonna I'm gonna compare you to Michael Jordan for a minute, which I saw your watch, so I know you're not gonna be upset about this. Did, <laughs> Did, did you getting cut those two years kind of fuel your fire? Uh, I, I, like Michael Jordan did when he when he got cut as a sophomore?
1: Man, it definitely did. And and it's funny you say that. Um, and, and just obviously everybody I'm sure has just watched The Last Dance. Um, so it's funny, man, just growing up, man, Just I, I was Michael Jordan fanatic. Yeah. You know, I knew everything about him. It was just all of us were as kids coming up in that era uh, if you wanted to play basketball. And uh, just knowing his story, and then it kind of happened to me. You know, I get cut my sophomore year, um, and that kind of just kind of, you know, put a little fuel on the fire. But at the same time, maybe I wasn't good enough. And I could accept that because, you know, I was just you now coming into myself growing up. So, you know, I played freshman, freshman yeah. year, but I didn't start or anything. So I'm just coming into myself. Uh, but then I really, you know, I, I had a passion for the game. And, you know, my junior year came along, had that whole summer to get ready. Like, I'm ready now, you know. The, the 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 fuel is on the fire yeah i got cut again man so that was just like man i really tried this time i thought <laughs> i was it you know so like you know it's just that whole michael jordan thing and knowing that it happened to mike that kind of did kind of give you some inspiration
0: so what what made you choose dos was it your uh was tony still there
1: or? uh yeah tony was there uh tony was a freshman man but it's a funny thing man uh, so i'm sure you may be familiar uh with farmdale Farmville Church, right across the street from Moore High School. Yeah. Uh, So when I got cut that year, that's where I played basketball at. I would go sit in there, man, and have $2 in my pocket. Hopefully I can play with some of the guys who's the gym, you know, just to get some run. And it's right up the street from my house, you know, where me and Jerry live, you know, know, up there in Derby Run. And I was just playing with some Mm -hmm. older guys one day, man, I think I was 16 years old, 15 years old. And the guy was like, hey, man, you're pretty good. Who you play for? I was like, I don't play for anybody. I go to Moore, but I got cut. He was like, you got cut? He was like, man, uh, I played the dogs, man. I, I I know a coach over there, man. You need to be playing ball, man. And I was like, I mean, you know, I, I didn't, not, I guess I'm not going to be a basketball player. I like to play, but I got cut. So he was like, what's your phone number? Gave my phone number. He reached out to me. I uh, let my mom talk to him on the phone. My mom was not trying to hear that. Like, I'm not a I'm not a basketball player to her because I'm, I'm getting cut. I'm not on a team. I just yeah. have to play. So well, it's not nothing serious, you know, but I'm taking it serious. So uh, that guy convinced my mom, man, to, to give me an opportunity to transfer to Dallas. The coach just took that guy's word. And that guy's name is Marcus. I'll never forget. Still a good friend of mine. And then that's just when the story began. You know, I, I got a, I got an opportunity, and that's when everything changed.
0: Nice. So, so I mentioned Tony, Tony Williams, uh, former Lova player. You guys are actually cousins. I just want to clear that up. I didn't, instead of just saying Tony, yeah, you, you guys are cousins. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so from there, after you played your year, at Doss, you went on to Sullivan and took a redshirt year.
1: Was that, yes,
0: was that just kind of like a work, hone, on your craft, and or was it actually, actually uh, just like if they didn't have a team or,
1: no, actually. Uh, I, I broke my foot the first day of practice. Oh, Stretch fracture. So first day of practice, um, it's a great team, man. It was an actually um, a championship team uh, that I was on at Sullivan, Sullivan College, man, great group of guys. I can name some of the guys, man, You that was on that team, you wouldn't believe. Um, Eric Martin, I know you probably remember Eric Martin, Rashawn Morris, is another guy, Adrian Tillman, Danielle Macklin, I'm talking about, man, we had a squad, Judy Hayes, um at first day of practice, man, I broke my foot, stretch fracture, and man. I just red shirted from there. So that was my red shirt year at summer. And
0: then and then you moved from there to uh, was it Rain, Rainy River Community Rainy College River. in uh, in Minnesota.
1: In Minnesota. Where- went went there uh, after sitting out a whole year with a red shirt. I just want to play <laughs> basketball. I got cut every year in high school, <laughs> played a year at dolls, got my feet wet. You know, got a chance to actually play basketball. Yeah. Uh, then I go to college. Like, wow, who would ever thought one year of high school basketball, and then I get a college scholarship. Break my foot, so now I still haven't played. So now I go to Rainy River and get that opportunity. And uh, you uh, didn't,
0: you didn't just play, man. You thirty-five and seven as a, I made a little in college.
1: I made a little noise, uh, but I didn't know it was a D three JUCO not taking anything away from Division Three JUCOs, but I had no idea. It was just another opportunity for me to get a scholarship after a redshirt year at Sullivan, um, where I could just play immediately, um, and I just took it. And I just, I was up there playing, man, averaging 34, uh, not really knowing anything about anything. I'm 17, 18 years old, um, cause telling my mom, like, I'm not going back. Like, I'm not going back to Rain River. It's cold, I'm averaging 34 <laughs> points a game, uh, no coaches are calling. Nobody's gonna see me all the way in Minnesota, but I'm clueless. I have no idea how it works. And so I came home Christmas, man. After a semester up there, I came home for that Christmas semester. And I told my mom I wasn't going back. And she said, well, you're getting out of here. You're going somewhere. (laughs) So I said, I made a highlight take of my high school and I sent it to Moorhead State, Eastern Kentucky, Louisville, Kentucky, and Western Kentucky. I got a call from the University of Louisville um, with an opportunity maybe to walk on. And I also got a call from Morehead State, um, Dick Fitt, and he offered me a scholarship um, after I went there for a semester, paid, went there for a semester, and then I actually got a, a college scholarship after that uh, first semester.
0: So would you say Rainy River, though, was kind of when you started to really figure out yourself and kind of figure out your game, and even if it was against competition that you really didn't think it was at your level?
1: I think, I think Rainy River was a confidence booster for me. You know, just to just to be able to get a chance to finally play, and then you know the level wasn't as high as I had just come from being at the Division One, JUCO Sullivan. Um, I was able to just really find out who I was and what I could really do. So they just gave me a lot of confidence.
0: So yeah. you, like you said, you went and played one year at Morehead. You ever? I think you said you averaged six points and, hmm. and about three and a half rebounds. Yeah, uh, yeah. What what made you leave there and move back down to NAIA at Campbellsville?
1: Uh, just not having my head on right, just (laughs) to be honest, you know, I was young and uh, just making some mistakes and I made some mistakes and those mistakes, you know, cost me my, my, my division one career. Uh, so I'd still, at the same time, I just want to play. So me being going to uh, Mm NAI after that allowed me to play immediately.
0: Nice. So (laughs) you actually went there and you played for a name that a lot of people in this area will know, (laughs) Travis Ford. Uh, what's crazy is I'm a huge Lobo fan, but growing up, I always saw Travis Ford on TV. He's actually who I modeled shooting my free throws after. <laughs> I just remember watching him. I'm like, this guy always makes free throws. Maybe I should shoot like him. So, what, what was it? What was it like playing for him? Because I mean, I met him one time at, a, at an AAU event and watched him play. What, what was it like playing for him?
1: It was awesome, man. It was awesome playing for Travis Ford because he was young. He was just now coming out of his college career, um, so it was like a player. He was like a player coach. You know, yeah, still competitive, still young, still had that fire coming from, from from his college career, uh, just the Patino system, and just that whole UK. He brought that to Campbellsville, and I just happened to be there at the time, and just me and him just clicked. You know, just just player coach. It was just a great bond that we had, a great trust that we had. So man, it was phenomenal to get the opportunity to play with Travis.
0: I, I got it. How did it feel to score over over a thousand points in just two seasons?
1: Yeah. It was great. It was great, man. You know, just like I say, it was just all about confidence, you know, just having the trust with my teammates, uh, the trust that the coach put in me and then, you know, just, just being able to be out there and just having that confidence, man. It was, it was awesome. It was really awesome.
0: So I, I was – when I was doing some research with you, I, you know, are on you, I looked up some stuff and I read somewhere that you scored 60 and 24 in a game at Campbellsville. First off, who was that against? And second off, when, like, what part of the game did you realize, okay, yeah, this is my night. I'm, I'm pretty much going to take over the entire
1: game. Man, that was my senior year at Campbellsville, uh, having a pretty good year. Uh, we played a team in Chicago. So, I mean, you know what that means. Yeah. <laughs> going to Chicago. I wear number 23. I play in Jordan's. I grew up wanting to be like Mike, like every kid <laughs> came up in my era. And uh, we ate at Michael Jordan's Restaurant. That was our pregame. And I knew, I knew then, I knew then, just that whole, the whole day, just like being in Chicago, you know, uh, eating at his restaurant, pregame meal, I knew that I was going to have a good game. I didn't know it was going to be 60, but I knew I was going to have a good game, man. It just turned out.
0: Well, not only that, I mean, you're a four guard and you got 24 rebounds. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's insane. So this is the part that, that like really sticks out to me. Like when I start remembering stuff about you when I was a kid, because mm-hmm. I remember like Jerry Lee would tell me stuff and everything on like how, how kind of you were doing. And I remember you being at Camelsville. but I, this is the part that I remember. Cause I was like, I know somebody that's about to get drafted and you entered your name in the 1999 NBA draft.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: What was, what was that process like? And, and, did you work out for some teams and do interviews with some teams? And if you did, what what were the what were the workouts like? And and who did you do interviews for?
1: Um, I was with probably so uh, right after the draft, right after draft night, uh, I went to Seattle. That was my my first NBA experience. Um, after Chicago pre-draft, um, after the NBA draft, I went to Chicago. I went to um, Seattle, and uh, you know, coming from Camp- Campbellsville, um, small town, little little Kentucky kid, yeah. you know. Moorhead, uh, Campbellsville. So me being in Seattle in that situation, uh, I was in awe. You know, I just, it's like a dream come true. Yeah. So I, I don't think I i really took advantage of the situation at the time. I was just more kind of like-
0: I'm Oh man, I made it.
1: I remember Even- I, I remember, yeah. being, I remember uh, Cliff Rozier was in camp with me. And just coming from Louisville, him playing, being a Louisville player, I'm like, man, you know, I'm, I'm like, I'm, you know, I'm ready to make it to the NBA. It was just like, so I, I, I know being young now, just thinking back on it, you know, it, it was a great experience, man. Um, just that whole thing, I just, just remember being just like a kid at Disney World, man. My first experience with an NBA team, uh, but I, I was probably with about, I'll say, maybe about ten NBA teams. Uh, just flying in, working out with teams, being in vet camp with some teams, you know. Uh, but then, when I was doing that, I was what was called a tweener. You know, I'm a, yeah. I'm a four, I'm a six four guard, a uh, two guard. You know, my job was to score the ball. Uh, but then, you know, if you were six four, you're playing the point. Yeah. No experience at playing the point, so every NBA team I went to, they put me at the point. And you know, first couple of years of that experience, it was just kind of uncomfortable for me being a being a point guard. Um, but now, you know, tweeners is what – you know, every every position Absolutely. Is so it's a little different now.
0: Absolutely. So when, when you were going into the, the NBA draft that night, was there a team that you were for sure thought like, yeah, they're going to draft me? Like you thought they were going to draft you?
1: Yeah, I thought it would have been uh, Seattle um, and then Washington. Washington uh, Washington Bullets. So – Bullets at the time. No. Yeah, I think it was the Washington Bullets at the time.
0: That just shows that shows not your age, man. You can't yeah, be showing I, your age on it.
1: <laughs> no, right? I'm like, wow. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so was, was there – you always hear about during these interview processes that they got these, like, weird questions and stuff, and they're, you know, like crazy. Was there any interview questions that you can remember that was like, why would you ask that?
1: Uh, nah, I don't think anything really sticks out. Nothing sticks out in particular. It was more basically like a job interview. Yeah. You know, just kind of trying to get a feel for your personality, kind of who you are, what you like. I didn't get any weird questions. Like
0: they they always talk about, like, how they'll ask about, like, the people you hang around and stuff, and yeah. some some teams won't even draft a guy because they see what type of group he hangs out with and everything, and it's it's crazy. But you think about it, and it's like, well, you are investing a lot of money into this person. You probably should know everything about him.
1: Well, right. I do. I get it. I get it. Um, it's big business, man. But uh, yeah, I just I don't, I don't remember anything crazy, nothing out of the ordinary that I can think of.
0: Yeah. So so from there, you ended up settling on the CBA, which mm-hmm. was at that point was owned by a guy that's all in the news again with with the especially the stuff that came out yesterday uh, with mm-hmm. the Jordan and the Dream Team stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was the CBA was owned by Isaiah Thomas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I got to know you got you got any Zeke stories like, from, like any like one on one like contact with him or anything?
1: No, nah, I don't have any Zeke stories, man. The only Zeke story I got is him uh giving us that trophy, man, when we won that CBA championship yeah. over the year.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I I one thing I do remember though, speaking of Zeke, is his former teammate. And I remember hearing a story about you and Rick Mahorn. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I gotta I gotta get you to tell that story on here because I just remember when I was a kid and knowing who Rick Mahorn was I got, I got to get you to tell that story about Rick Mahorn.
1: Yeah, so um, I remember, man, just uh, my rookie year, man, uh, we played against, uh, ah, man, I don't know if it was uh, Grand Rapids or Sioux Falls. We playing against another CBA team, and Rick Mahorn was the coach. So the whole time, I was just like, man, it's Rick Mahorn down there. You know, he's part of the Bad Boys. You know, I came yeah. up on him. Yeah, This is awesome. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm still in awe, man, you know. it's so my rookie yeah. year, it's just like it's just still all amazing to me. It's a dream come true. So after the game, we won the game, uh, and we going down shaking hands with with the team. And then I get up to Rick Mahorn. I couldn't wait to get to him just to get a chance to shake his hand and just be like, "Hey man, you know, like I probably wouldn't have said nothing. I just wanted to shake his hand, like "Eh, Rick Mahorn. Yeah, he was sitting down. He never stood up off the off the seat, and I reached my hand out to shake his hand. And I'm not gonna even tell you what he said to me. I don't even tell you what he said to me, but uh basically told me if I don't get it out of his face, you know, and I just of was like, Okay guys, <laughs> I'll never forget that man, it just a funny story. Just kind of one of my first stories, man, you know.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so so um uh... You lived in what more than twenty five different countries, which was crazy to crazy to read. Because I, I do remember again, I'm going to keep reminiscing with this because as a kid, I was always with Jerry Lee, and he was always telling me about different things and keeping me updated as much as he could. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that you played in over twenty five different countries and played in over seven hundred pro games.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Now, if if you had to rank, I know this is tough to do because you played in some of your, If you had to rank the top two and the bottom two. Which ones were your top two favorites and which ones were your bottom two least favorite? And not necessarily where, because you lived there, maybe just because you didn't like the league, or maybe it was because you didn't like to live there.
1: Uh, I would have to say my top two would have to be uh, Italy and uh, France. And nice. the reason I say that is because uh, in, uh, in France, I got the opportunity to play with Tony Williams, my little cousin. Nice. You know, he he was a pro, I was a pro, and uh, we used to always talk about, man, it'd be so cool to get to play together. You know, he's enjoying his career in some beautiful country, and I'm somewhere else enjoying my career, but we would always connect when we came home, and we always stayed in touch um, while we were gone. And it was just always, we'd always just joke and talk about like, man, what if? And it actually got an opportunity to happen, and we got to play a season together in France for a long. So uh, just having family there, and just experiencing the whole um, lifestyle, with Tony, man, it um, was incredible. And then also in Italy, uh, he played for Bologna and I played for um, Rimini and we were 45 minutes from each other, uh, playing in the same league. So, nice. I, mean, if I wasn't in his house, he was in my house, you know, it's Louisville to Lexington. Yeah. You know, so, it was just, uh, you know, so those two countries definitely stick out uh, the most. And you say the worst two, man, it's tough. <laughs> um, wow. I would probably have to say my my worst experience maybe maybe was Poland, and I say that because it was my first experience. So I'm, I'm I'm a kid, I'm young. All I want is McDonald's. <laughs> you know? I'm not eating any of their food. I'm not touching any of their food. So you know, and, and I say that was my worst experience because I was so young. And I didn't yeah. take advantage of my blessing, so to say. Yeah. You know, because as I got older, every country I went to, I wanted to experiment with the town and the people and Eat the foods and do different things like that. But early on in my career, I didn't do those things, so it made it difficult living outside the country because I wasn't embracing.
0: Absolutely, yeah. Did you have another one, or is that just really the only one that really sticks out?
1: Uh, Honduras was pretty tough. <laughs> yeah, you know? I mean,
0: you always hear of like mission trips and stuff going there, so it doesn't really sound like a country that would be really flourishing enough to have a basketball league.
1: Yeah, it was. Uh, it was pretty tough, man, and it was just a time where I was home. I just happened to be home in the summer, and um, a guy that played in the league over there gave me a call and told me that uh, there was some championship or something going on, man, and they was looking for a guard, The guy they had got hurt. And he said, man, we're in the playoffs, and this is what they'll pay me. I said, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> he said, yeah, man, we got like, you know, two weeks of playoffs, three weeks of playoffs, and then it's probably – a." You know two weeks of you know the, the series if we make it to the championship and this is what your bonus would be you know like man come over here i told him i played with you they told me to get somebody so i went and uh i enjoyed it but it was just uh it's just a third world country it's very dangerous yeah you know you just kind of had to got to watch where you're going so you know i ain't gonna say it was a bad country but you know just a, a different experience
0: so my buddy that normally does the podcast with me he's, he had to work uh he he's taken some trips to like China and stuff. And he told me about how he would just be walking through China and people would think he was a celebrity. Cause my buddy six with six. Did you get that? Did you get that same experience in in other countries?
1: Everywhere, everywhere, man. Um I embraced it. I loved it. You know, and
0: be honest. Did you ever tell people you were somebody else?
1: Man, I to. <laughs> <laughs> they knew who I was. I mean, I'm in the town and they know who the American is. They know what, what, what uh, what he's there for, you know? Um, and if they didn't know, I made sure they knew.
0: Yeah. So, in, in 2000, you mentioned you, you won the CBA championship with the uh, Yakima Sun Kings.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: and then in 2003, you led the league in scoring at 28.8 points per game while playing for the Rockford Lightning.
1: Mm-hmm. Were,
0: were there any big-name guys you faced off with or played with in the, in the CBA that, that uh-huh. like, some of the listeners would know, like, maybe they played in the NBA?
1: Uh, Roger Bell, we was teammates. Um, Ray Cunningham. Uh, from Louisville, Kentucky, was a, a teammate of mine, Ronnie uh, Fields. Okay. Um, teammate. I uh, actually got a chance uh, to play with Dewan Wee uh, before CBA. Played against DeJuan Wee. My, my first CBA game was against DeJuan Wee. Um, he was playing for maybe the Idaho Stampede maybe. Um, not sure exactly what team he was playing for, but my first CBA game, uh, I remember meeting him at half court. Shaking his hand like, man, I just want to let you know that uh, I grew up watching you. And I'm a fan of yours and I'm a rookie. You know, we've yeah. been for a while, been in the NBA. I said, you might not even know who I am. He said, I know who you are. And that made my day. Yeah. <laughs> he knows who I am. He don't know this. He might notice if he sees this, but that made my day as a rookie. You know, my you know professional stint. Um, but, yeah, man, those are some of the names. I actually played with Ronnie Fields. I don't know if I mentioned Ronnie. I played with yeah. Ronnie. Um, there's a lot of names man a lot a lot, of, a lot of talent in the CBA when I was coming up
0: nice so what would you say was the was the roughest league you played in as far as like you know you mentioned the bad boys earlier was there a, was there a league where you felt like man I need to go like Jordan did that off season and and, and really beef up and cuz these dudes are rougher than I thought they would be
1: I'm going to have to say the CBA cuz you got guys that uh played years in the NBA and they might come down to the CBA um, trying to get back to the NBA. You got young guys like myself trying to get to the NBA. Uh, so their league was just so competitive and so tough and physical, you know, and they let us play. Yeah. And outside the country, uh, I would have to say maybe uh, Venezuela is a very, very, very physical league. Um, you know, I, I definitely remember some times in Venezuela they kind of got out of hand, but uh, I, I'd love to say the CBA just because of where are we trying to go, you know, we're either trying to get big contracts outside the country or we're trying to get to the NBA, which is the, the ultimate goal. So, that league was definitely the most competitive, most physical, and toughest league that I played.
0: So, was that it, it sounds like a lot of those teams are now the, the G League teams?
1: Mm-hmm, absolutely.
0: So, so, did the G League buy out a lot of those teams or did it just kind of conform into the, the G League? And then because I feel like the CBA is back around again, so it may just kind of like the XFL did where it lost some of its team and it just came back
1: around again. Yeah, I think when, uh, when the CBA folded, uh, is when Isaiah took the coaching job at the Indiana Pacers. Um, yeah. So uh, the, the, the CBA folded at that time, and uh, then the D-League got a couple of other cities, and then those towns that uh, had CBA teams, they just transform, transformed their team into, from CBA teams to the D-League. So that's why you still have some of those CBA teams that are still participating.
0: So, outside of the, the CBA, because, I mean, now that you're breaking it down like that, it sounds like that's pretty much just like like you're saying the G League. What would you say is the most competitive and toughest league you played in as far as, like, you knew every night, like, okay, I'm going to have to bring it because I got to get my team to the next level?
1: Outside the CBA?
0: Yeah, outside of the CBA, because it sounds like that was easily the best league you played in.
1: I would probably say Italy or France. Italy or France is just, those are just top leagues, you know, in Italy, top league of France, it's just very competitive. Um, some of the best players that are not in the NBA are uh, playing in those leagues. And then you got French guys that are locals that, that yeah. they can really go and might be getting looked at by the NBA. It's the same thing in Italy. You know, you got some Italian guys, guys from other countries, not only from the U.S., but from, you know, maybe Argentina, other places like that, yeah. that can really play. Um, so those are two countries that I, that I would say that were very competitive. <clears throat> how,
0: so you played – I didn't put this on here, but this is just something I just thought of. So playing in over 25 different countries, you can play. That's obvious. That shows with what you averaged and, and how you scored. How tough was it to really get a part of the game plan, though, with the language barrier in some of these countries?
1: In the beginning, it was tough. Uh, coming out in 99, you know, it was just a little tougher than it is uh, than it was later on in my career. But one thing that I always say is a uh, basketball is a game. that's universal. Yeah. You know, like regardless what language you speak, man, we know what job needs to get done and we know how to do it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So like, no, matter no country I played in the language barrier was never a problem when it comes to, to teammates.
0: Absolutely. So, like, we, we can get on the same
1: page without even really speaking the same language because you know, it's one goal that we all have in common.
0: For sure. So, after you retired, you finally retired in, what, 2012? Is that right?
1: Uh, yes, yep.
0: 2012, you took, a, you took an assistant coaching job for a women's team at Bristol Community College mm-hmm. in, uh, in Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. And what, now coaching men and women, what would you say is the biggest difference in coaching?
1: Fundamentals. Fundamentals. I think the biggest difference I see is the fundamentals. You know, girls are really, really fundamentally sound. Uh, you know, and, you know, guys are not as fundamental as girls uh because we can rely on athletic ability a little more. Yeah. You know? So it kinda makes up for, for a lack of fundamentals. Uh but but some of these girls, man, it's very impressive the stuff that they can do. Um and it's good, it's fun to watch just because of the fundamentals. You know, I'm a student of the game as well as yourself, you know. So we have yeah. like to keep the game played the right way and just being broken down, you know, so it was fun coaching girls, but that's the difference that I see, just the fundamentals in it.
0: That, that's one thing that I've heard, and I've also heard that they listen better as well. Yeah, they do. I, I heard they – like, because I've never never—I've never coached a women's team, so, I, like, I couldn't tell – that's why I asked the question. Mm-hmm. You always hear that they just comprehend things a lot more. They really soak it in whenever you tell them something.
1: They do. More receptive, for sure. That is, That would be the second thing that I would say.
0: <clears throat> so, after that, you went back and you coached under your former coach. Travis Ford at EKU. This is when I remember seeing you uh, – I think I actually sent you the picture whenever you were coaching against UK. Took a yeah. picture of you on TV and sent you the yeah. picture. Yeah. Uh, what What did you learn uh, coaching under him again, and under your short stint with him at EKU?
1: Uh, actually, uh, at EKU, I was under uh, Jeff Newbound.
0: Oh, so he I was already – okay.
1: Was, so Travis was already gone. I believe Travis may have been either at St. Louis or maybe Oklahoma, uh, Oklahoma State. State, yeah. yeah. But uh, I was in the new bow. where not just um, uh, I just learned the game. Uh, I learned the game from the sideline. Yeah, if that makes sense to you
0: because you knew it from the court. But seeing it from from a different perspective is it's totally different. That's why because you see a lot of these guys. Like I'm trying to think of somebody. I'm, Isaiah Thomas was actually a decent coach, but you see some of these guys that were great players, but they're not great coaches because right. they don't know how to turn off that competitive edge of okay, this is how I should do it, but they can't explain it.
1: Mm-hmm, exactly, man. And I, and, and I learned that at EKU, you know, being under Coach Newbauer was a great coach, man, great coach. Um, I learned a lot. Uh, and, and me being at the age that I was at helped as well, you know. Um, and It was just a good experience, man. We mentioned Kentucky, man. Who would ever thought that I'd be coaching against the number one team in the country? Yeah. My state team, you know, like I'm a Louisville fan, obviously, but, you know, University of the Kentucky, you got to respect them. Yeah. Uh, just to get the opportunity to coach against that team, man, and being rough like that, and that, it, just, it, was, it was electrifying, man.
0: So how long did you end up staying at UKU?
1: I was there for one year.
0: One year, and then that's when you left and, and went to ASA?
1: Yep, yep. Came down here to so, Atlanta, man.
0: So, now, so you're now the president and CEO of A- it's Action Sports Academy, right? Mm-hmm. Action Sports Academy, ASA for short. Kind of give us the story of how ASA started and, and how you came to be involved with it.
1: Yeah, well, so uh, when uh, the situation at EKU, man, our head coach Jeff Neubauer, uh took another job after that season that we had at Eastern Kentucky, uh, he went to uh, Florida, and he only took one coach with him. Uh, so the rest of us, as a coaching staff, had to figure it out. Uh, and I got the opportunity to come to Atlanta to be a head coach to continue my coaching resume, uh, hopefully to get back to Division One level. Uh, when I got here, um, it was just me getting introduced to post-grad. It was already a post-grad situation ASA. It had probably been around about four or five years. Um, and I came here, took the job, and uh, everything went well. had a great season. uh, sent every kid that came through the program to college that first year, so that was awesome. Uh, and then after that season, uh, the guy that I came down here to work for uh, said that he wasn't going to move forward with the program. Um but I was like, well, you know, I've kind of got us uh, schedule for next year uh, under the name and um, kind of recruiting some kids under the name. Is it OK if I continue to use the name? And we just, you know, so we signed some paperwork uh, where he didn't owe me anything, but I could use the name. So what I did is I did my due diligence and went on the secretary of state and I seen that the name had exhausted and it was just out there for the taking. So I put it in my name and I just tried it to do it on my own, just to keep the program going. And now here we are four years later, five years later. So explain
0: what you guys do for not only the athletes' athletic career, but uh, for them academically as well. Because you, you sent me a uh, a pamphlet, which mm-hmm. whenever I release this, I can release that out if you want uh, and put it out with the post. Or if you want me to put something else with it, no. be more than happy to put that on there with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but kind of explain what what you guys do for them, because – some people don't really understand the post-grad type of mm-hmm. stuff, and they don't really get what it is. I have a buddy that I've had on my, on my podcast that I've kind of gotten you guys in contact with a little bit uh, that does post-grad as well, but kind of explain what you guys do not only for their athletic career but for their
1: academic career as well. Okay, so what we do for, for, for guys academically is um, we have them come in and we, we, we SAT and ACT prep, uh, and we have them take the SAT and ACT while they're in our program until they get a qualifying score. Um, and the program is six months, October 1st to April 1st. Okay. Um, then we also give these um, athletes um, an option to take two college courses. Um, they can only take two each semester. And it's two semesters that they'll be in the program within that six months. And the reason why they can only take two is because once you take more than two classes, you can sit full-time and then your eligibility clock will start to tick. Gotcha. We don't want that to happen. So by them taking two classes, um, Optional, they can leave uh, a postgrad situation with 12 credit hours and have already taken their core classes, like maybe their English, um, their basic math class that they'll have to take. And those classes also will transfer with them wherever they get their college scholarship. Yeah. So that's basically the only academic components that we have. Um, we also have the TOEFL for our international players. Our international players come over and they take the TOEFL uh, as a test that they have to take. Um, and that's, 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 that's all of the ac- uh, academic components that we have in the program.
0: So when, when you signed that paperwork and you got the, you know, ASA, put to you, did, did you really feel like you knew what you were putting yourself into? Like, do you think it was – like now, are you like, man, I've come a long way because I did not realize it was going to be this much of an undertaking?
1: You know, I had a vision. Um, and before my season was over, um, when I took the job, when I first got here in my first season, before that season was over, um, I had seen the vision that I wanted for this program and I, I, I put it on paper and I came up with a business plan and I actually took it to him. And I said, hey man, you know, I've been doing this for about a half a season now and uh, you know I've met some guys who are doing post-grad because like I say, I was new to it. Yeah. Uh, some of the guys that I met, they kind of told me a few things and this, you know, with my professional background and some of the connections and networking that I have, I'm like, man, we can really turn this into something. So I just presented my business plan to him and, uh, you know, he just didn't, it just didn't work out. I guess he just wasn't wasn't feeling it. So when we did go our separate ways, I'm like, hey man, I got this business plan that I wrote for this other guy. Yeah. Hey, I'm a, I'm a, I'm gonna go with it. You know, this is the vision that I have. So, you know, I kind of knew that it would take some time to get here, but I'm 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 close to where I want to be with this program for sure.
0: <clears throat> so how many how many different academies are there now and then where where are all the locations at?
1: Uh, So right now we have uh, two. Uh, We're working on the third, which will be in uh, Tampa, Florida. So we have Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, Then we have Louisville, Kentucky, this upcoming 2020-21 season. And um, hopefully Tampa, Florida in 2020-21 season. But with the pandemic, uh, it's kind of put a little little pause in the the Tampa situation. But uh, we're working on it.
0: So if you had to say, all right, I'm the presidency, What would you say is the main goal of, of ASA? And then, uh, what what all also on off of that? What all sports do you guys offer as well outside of basketball?
1: So, so our main goal is to get these young men and women free education. You know, that's 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 what we're selling: free education. Uh, we take athletes that uh, didn't get a scholarship for whatever reason, um, academics got overlooked, maybe had an injury, transferred from one state, maybe an international guy who lives in the UK and nobody ever gets the chance to see your talent. Yeah. Um, so we, we get people like that exposure, and with that exposure, we're able to find unsigned seniors college scholarships somewhere. We're going to get your education paid for. And while you're getting your education, you're going to be able to experience playing college basketball at the same time. So that's our that's our goal, and 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 if anybody uh, is blessed to take this opportunity and turn it into a professional career, they can also come back through ASA, which is now Action Sports Agency. And oh wow! We will help you find a job overseas. We'll represent you, or we'll represent you in the NBA. Um, you know, if your talents can take you there, we'll you know. And if you're not going to play basketball after your um, after you left ASA, Action Sports Academy, went to college, and you, uh, you graduated in your field, you come back through ASA, and we will resume build for you, and we will headhunt for you and try to find you a job in your career field. But while we're trying to find you a job, you can work in one of our programs.
0: Wow, so, I, that's something um, that I did not know.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's the vision that I had from the beginning, and now it's all coming Coming together, man. You know, we just keep it. Whatever kid comes through this program, whatever athlete comes through this program, we just keep them. It. It's a lifetime thing.
0: So, I have a question for you. So, you just mentioned that action sports agency thing. Do you all strictly only um, what's the represent players that have come through there or athletes that have come through there, or do you guys represent other people?
1: As just as of right now, we're, we're just representing athletes that come through Action Sports Academy. It's just starting, You know what I'm saying? Yeah. We're just now starting starting to grow it. Uh, my first group of athletes that I've had are graduating this year. Nice. So my first group, they went through my program. They went through four years of college, uh, and now they're, they're coming out now. But with this pandemic, it's kind of everything is up yeah. in the air right now. But um, so, yeah, we um, – so we, in the future, would we'll definitely be representing other athletes outside of Action Sports Academy. All
0: right, so uh, what all sports do you guys offer at the Academies?
1: So right now we have basketball, and this summer we were bringing in uh, baseball, but looks like our summer is not going to.
0: Yeah. So you know. is that is that men's, that's men's and women's basketball?
1: Uh, we just have men's basketball right now, um, and then we'll have uh, men's baseball, and then we're going to try to do soccer. Okay. Soccer, and then uh, eventually we're going to try to do women's volleyball. You know, so we're just going to try to branch out. You know, that'll take some time just to kind of get all these sports that we're trying to do, but uh we're definitely going to get there.
0: Yeah. So, so you mentioned uh you're you're opening starting this year the the academy here in Louisville. Are you guys partnering with a local high school?
1: Um, actually, um, no, we're not because all of our athletes are graduated from high school. I got
0: you. So we're so going you, to post-grad. I got you. So, where were where are you guys? Where's your, I guess, home building, I guess, where, where uh, are you going to be at? We're going to try to uh,
1: work out of, Brain uh, uh, Freeze. Uh, what's the gym? Uh, oh, I can't believe, academy, uh, not, not basketball academy, Mid-America. Mid-America,
0: okay,
1: yeah. We're a planner. So uh, that'll probably be the facility that we use uh, for, our, for our home games, where we'll practice, uh, where we'll work the guys out at.
0: And I guess most of them will just live in a, in and off i mean a, in a, a an area around that around that yeah. place, I guess
1: well we'll definitely have housing enough for those who need it um, uh, located close to about a gym nice so
0: what all will i guess when it first starts what all will uh, will the local campus offer? Is it just strictly basketball, and are there any local guys that maybe some people will know their names that will be involved with it to, to start it well
1: so right now we're just putting the roster together right now as we speak, so we don't um we got about five or six guys that have already committed um I don't want to say anybody's name Yeah,
0: I was more meaning towards the uh like the staff part of it cuz okay. I know you can't really mention players names with with right. not with not being able to sign in and everything
1: Yeah so uh, we're working uh I'm working with uh Tony Williams uh he's going to have a lot to do with the program uh Ray Cunningham um working real close with him um hopefully uh, Get Deion Lee involved, another good, really good friend of mine. Um, so just trying to trying to put some names together that um, that have a basketball reputation in the city. Yeah, you know, Deion Lee's
0: a big name in this area. Well, he trains yeah. a lot of a lot of local athletes. I see.
1: Absolutely. So I definitely will um, been been in contact with him just to kind of have him uh, be a, be a part of what we're trying to do because we're trying to do something big. You know, me being from Louisville, i trying to get the guys that I'm trying to get involved involved. Uh, I think we can really do something special for the young, and upcoming athletes in our in our city. Have something right there at home for the, for those guys getting the best training and development that they can possibly get. Uh, we'll probably play a, a thirty to forty game college schedule. Um, you know, teams like uh, Campbellsville, Lindsey Wilson, Vincennes. You know, we'll try to get teams like that on our schedule. So, you know, I think it's going to be a, a big smash in Louisville.
0: Awesome, awesome. I I mean, it, it won't it won't hurt this area. You know, growing up here, this area loves basketball. So, I mean, they'll go out and watch basketball in a park. Yes. And it's just, it's just the way it is here. Like yes. people think that Louisville and in this area is just a bunch of like hillbilly people. I oh, mean, we love basketball. And we know basketball. We know good Absolutely. basketball when we see it. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's all the questions. but I got rapid fire questions for you, man. So I am really Familiar with rapid fire questions? You know, I just yeah. I shoot you a question. You say the first thing that comes to your mind.
1: All right.
0: All right. So there's gonna be some funny ones here. There's a lot of food. Uh, Related ones though, because we got a lot of people that listen that that have strong. That's like the strongest opinion is, is stuff on food. Okay. All right. Okay. So first one though, favorite shoe on and off the court all the time.
1: Air Jordans, baby.
0: Which Which ones do you play in on the court normally?
1: Oh man, just how I'm feeling. Yeah. How I'm feeling. You know, if I if I ain't feeling good that day, I might play in my flu games. <laughs> <laughs> you know, depending on how I'm feeling How how i feeling today. Yeah, but definitely Air Jordans.
0: I can't let you cop out though. you got to give me at least a favorite one off court all time. Cause I know my, my favorite Jordans are the, are the, the bread 13s. So I, I got that. What's your favorite Jordan of all time?
1: I'm going to have to go with the same bread. bread. Nice. Leather. So, leather. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, go so, that.
0: all right. Wings or burgers?
1: Wings.
0: I'm right there with you. Favorite movie of all time.
1: Scarface.
0: Scarface. Nice. All right. So you can, you pick three people to have dinner with. They can be dead or alive. Who do you choose?
1: Man, that's a good question. Michael Jordan. Kobe Bryant. Michael Jackson.
0: That's a definitely, that's a, that's a good group, man. That is a good group. All right, fav- favorite TV show ever?
1: Mark, eh, eh,
0: eh, eh. <laughs> great, great choice. Favorite car of all time? Cadillac. Cadillac. best gift you've ever received my child that, wow that's a great answer that's a great answer all right favorite pizza topping Hamburg. What you know what's crazy is i'm gonna stop real quick because i sent these questions to jerry Lee before i did this he is honestly like literally verbatim said almost all of these that's my he, he, he said two of them for the favorite pizza topping, though. What would be the second? Pepperoni. He missed that part. He said he said hamburger and onion.
1: Hamburger and onions. All right, Dan, you know what? Yeah, hamburger and onion. I didn't think. It, yeah, hamburger and onion, for sure. <laughs> That's crazy, He's got Sorry. All right. Onions, onion's one of my favorite foods. What is? Onions. Onions
0: aren't, onions aren't bad, man. As mm-hmm. I've gotten older, man, it's, got, it's become something that I've liked.
1: Yeah. One of my favorites.
0: All right, favorite restaurant in Louisville?
1: Bootleg barbecue. All
0: right, all right. let's go favorite restaurant altogether, just anywhere you've been.
1: Man, it was a restaurant when I played in Italy that I could go to to eat for free. And when I tell you, man, that restaurant was just the best restaurant I've ever been in, it was a blessing to be able to go there. They would bring you five different – they'd bring you some cheese. (laughs) Then <laughs> they'll bring you a salad. and they'll bring you a spaghetti. And then they'll bring you your poor course, courses. Then they'll bring you a coffee. I mean, it was just.
0: So it's an authentic I mean, Olive Garden is what it is, pretty much.
1: Oh, man. And I don't even remember the name of it. I wish I did. I wish I did. Tony might know, though, because we would go there all the time. All
0: right. Best wing spot in Louisville, in your opinion? Blue Bootleg Blue Barbecue. Best pizza spot in Louisville, in your opinion? Wicks. Wicks. Okay. I, I, what's funny is Larry O'Bannon said the same thing. When you come back to Louisville, I'm going to show you some good pizza spots if that's your favorite spot. Because yeah. I, I, I will open your eyes with some pizza spots if you think Wicks. Name one. I might know. Uh, Danny Max is one. That's a more recent one. Uh, Diorio's is one right down the street from uh, Wicks right there on Barstown Road. Impel uh, okay. and Pe- and Azari's on Barstown Road is another good one. Yeah. Uh, of course, Bear Nose. Bear Nose I wouldn't really consider top notch up there, but I. The Oreos and Dandy Macs are two of my favorite ones that a lot of people, the Oreos is getting pretty popular here now, but Dandy Macs has just come out in the past couple of years.
1: Okay. You got to take me, man. I'm going to check it
0: out. For sure. All right. You're eating wings. Which one you like better, drums or flats? Drums. Drums. Okay. Favorite flavor of ice cream?
1: I would have to say cookies and cream.
0: Okay. All right. Here's one I I didn't put on here, but I'm going to throw you this one real quick. (laughs) You got to start one, bench one, and cut one. All right. MJ Kobe LeBron.
1: I got to cut one, bench one, and start one. Yep. That's easy. <laughs> Starting Mike. Okay. I'm benching Kobe. LeBron got to go.
0: Oh man. That's LeBron got to go. All right. So this is the most this is the most important question that we ask the entire time, every time in Rapid Fire Questions. Does pineapple belong on pizza?
1: Not at all.
0: <laughs> well, I can say we definitely agree on that one. I can't say I agree with you on, on the start, bench, and cut, but I can tell you I definitely agree with you on the on the pineapple
1: who are one. Starting, who are you starting in benching and cutting?
0: Um uh, you're gonna kill me for this. I'm starting LeBron. I'm benching Jordan, I'm cutting Kobe. <sighs> but here's the here's the thing with with the with the Jordan and LeBron debate. I'm not one of those LeBron fans that thinks that there's not a debate there at all. Because I could definitely – like, to me, it's like the Montana-Brady debate. Like, I can see both sides of it. Like, I can honestly say, yeah, I, I see – I'm not one of those – nope, this is dead set on how – it. it's just no. – it's my opinion. You know what I mean? I, but I will say this. I don't think Kobe belongs in the conversation with either one of them. Mm.
1: Mm-hmm. I really
0: don't. And, and some people may look at me as bad as saying that, but I just – I don't. I don't think Kobe – a guy that didn't win the finals MVP – when he won all his championships, like, to me, if you're going to be that guy, you should win the finals MVPs on your championship teams.
1: That's a good point. You got a good point. You got a good point. So, tell me why you would start him over Jordan.
0: Why would start LeBron over Jordan? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think the the versatility with LeBron. LeBron can literally guard one through five. He's a better passer. Jordan's definitely a better scorer, if you want to really put it that. Jordan always looked to score where LeBron always looks to facilitate. Yeah. And some people look at that as a bad thing. But then when it comes down to, you know, winning games, and it was funny to me that during the last dance, a lot of times they, they praised Jordan for the times that he did pass the ball. But when LeBron does it, it's looked at as a bad thing. That was something that I thought was kind of funny because yeah. they brought up like, oh, here's where he started. the," And I brought it up to my buddy. I was like, I kind of felt like the, the evolution of, of LeBron and MJ's games were reversed. Yeah. LeBron came into the game. He was already looking to facilitate. And then once he got to Miami and started feeling all that hatred, it's was like, I just need to start killing people.
1: Start scoring, start scoring.
0: Jordan came in, scoring, 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 got Pippen, got a few other pieces, got Paxson, Horace Grant. And then he started learning, okay, these guys can play with me.
1: Mm-hmm. It was
0: weird how seeing these guys' games evolu- ev- evolutionize in opposite directions, but it's still going towards the same thing.
1: Right, right. Makes sense, man. You got a good argument, man. You got a good argument. But you know me, I'm old school, and I think yeah. it's just – I'm going to have to just – it's just my error. You know? Oh, yeah. The one thing that I – and I I, I, I can kind of take my – take it back a little bit, but – because I think LeBron could play back then because yeah. of his size and just his – the attributes that he had. But, man, it was physical. It was physical. Yeah. And, and, and I think back when Jordan played, the league was full of uh me. You know, in this league, it's just a lot of kids. It's a lot of kids. So you got a man like LeBron who is just playing with a group of kids. He's gonna dominate. And you put that same guy with a group of grown men and have it a little. The rules a little different. It changes things, you know. But we'll yep. never know because you can never put them. You know what I'm saying? But that's that's a good argument you got, man. I'm gonna have to take that to the Bob shop.
0: <laughs> For sure, man. I'm, trust me, dude. Because I grew up. I mean, I got the magazine right here. I just ordered the 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 Jordan Goat magazine. I guess like, mm-hmm. the thing, growing up around you all, like I, I had no choice but to love Michael Jordan. Right, right. And I, I did anyway. But you, the way you all grew up with Jordan, I grew up with LeBron. Like mm-hmm. I grew up with him because I remember being in, you know, sixth and seventh grade and seeing LeBron play in high school on TV. And I was just like, you know, enamored. And it's just like mm-hmm. just seeing the things that he's done and kind of growing with him. Like, mm-hmm. you all grew with MJ. Like, that's just kind of mm-hmm. the way it is. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. just – and, and I, that's the thing is I, I still respect MJ and I still think, like, that's not a dumb argument to have. Not like, if that. you want to say MJ is the greatest – I mean, in, in my opinion, if you want to start a team with either player, I really don't think you're going to have a bad team.
1: Can't You no. can't go wrong, man. Like, I got, I, we have this debate all the time, and I have never knocked LeBron James. I love him, actually. I think he's awesome. Yeah, you know, we talk about who's better, Michael LeBron. Gotta go with Mike. And then when I say Kobe, he's the closest thing to Mike. Yeah, I mean, style wise,
0: there style wise, there is there is no there is no comparison other than Kobe.
1: Yeah, yeah, man. So that's why I was like, that's why I always say Kobe. You know, rest in peace, Kobe. Kobe. Absolutely. B. Yeah.
0: It was crazy, man. I, this would be the last thing I say. I, is I was never a Kobe fan. I didn't like Kobe. Mm-hmm. and I always respected his game, but I never – I just never liked Kobe. Mm-hmm. And then when he passed away, man, I never really thought that it would hit me in the way that it did. It, it upset me a lot. Mm-hmm. Like, I I actually cried a decent amount about it because it's like you you see guys like that and you see guys on TV and you think they're – even though you know they're not, you think that they're invincible. Mm-hmm. And then when you see something like that, and then you see just like how many people were mourning over a person like mm-hmm. that and how many lives he's touched it. I have a buddy, man, we used to we used to uh, debate back and forth. And I told him, I said, you'll never hear me say another bad thing about Kobe Bryant. I may say, you know, I don't think he's maybe as good, but I'll never say another bad word, even if it's even a joke. And, man, I won't do it.
1: Yeah. I think he affected a lot of our lives. We didn't even know it.
0: Yeah. You know I mean, I see, I see you back there with a, the with a number eight jersey.
1: Number eight, man, I had to get it up there. And, and, and it's funny because uh, that's when I was in Argentina. I had a really good season, man, and my teammates were calling me Kobe. <laughs> you know, they were a little younger, you know, some of my Argentinian teammates, and I was wearing that number, man, and I was kind of doing my thing that year, man, and that's what they called me. It was like, Kobe, Kobe. So I was just like, yeah, okay, I'll be Kobe for a year. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Absolutely. We wouldn't <laughs> want to be.
1: Yeah. But, that's cool.
0: Dave, man, I appreciate it so much. I'm glad we finally got to do this. And once you get the academy up and running and and, you know, you know, get some stuff going. Maybe we can get you on again and, and, you know, give us an update on how everything's going.
1: Absolutely, man. I can't wait to get in town, man. We can get together, man. Go get some good peace.
0: Heck yeah, for sure, man. I appreciate it again. Thanks for texting time out with me.
1: Man, thank you, man. All
0: right, man. I'll talk to you later. All right, man.
1: Stay safe.